Welcome to Energy Matters, where we explore alternative health in the Pioneer Valley. I'm your host, Caroline Rutterman, and I'm a Reiki professional and intuitive in Northampton, Massachusetts. For the past nine years, I've been teaching people how to use their intuition and helping them reduce stress and anxiety. Together, we'll talk with other practitioners and learn how they bring health and healing to the Pioneer Valley. Let's do this. Welcome, welcome, everyone. You are listening to Energy Matters, and I am your host, Caroline Rutterman, and we have a great show for you today. Uh, we are here with actually a dear friend of mine, uh, Gowry, who is a, um, a Jyotish or a uh, Eastern astrologer. So uh, welcome to Energy Matters, Gowry. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm so thrilled that you're here. I was I was just telling you uh, before when we connected uh, that I'm I've been I was looking forward to getting my my astrology chart read all week. So um, so that's a little a little sneak peek for what the listeners have in store uh, for for today's show. Is you guys get to uh, let me be the guinea pig and you can experience how um, a, an Eastern astrology is read, which is a little bit different than how a Western astrology is, uh, how it works. So, um, so uh, Gowrie, can you tell us a little bit about who you are and, and what you do? Yes. So what I do is I look at people's Eastern astrology charts, which is a sample of their subconscious mind. So the Eastern chart, there's over a hundred different charts and it's a snap chart of what was in the subconscious mind, our subtle body at the moment of birth. And then the subdivisional charts are magnifications of parts of the main chart. So what I do is read the chart and then suggest the mantra remedies, which are a, it's a yogic type of spiritual practice based off of the person's chart and also their dreams and intentions. That's so interesting. I, I didn't, I guess maybe I never made the connection of uh, astrology, kind of that moment that you're born and, you know, all the stars. But I, I love that idea of this is uh, a snapshot of your uh, kind of intentions, your um, your subconscious coming in. How how do you understand what that means for people? Like, what what is that kind of underlying stuff that sits in our subconscious? Like, what what is all that that we're born with? So according the Eastern astrology, or it's called Jyotish, which means light of the universe or eyes of the divine, the Eastern chart, basically the belief is that we're a soul and we have a subtle body that we take with us from lifetime to lifetime and we have specific lessons or events or things that happen in our lives that we call karma. So the chart reflects what's called Prabhda karma, and it's basically the karma we take down in this life, and it's kind of a map of our potential destiny. It's like statistical probabilities of things that will happen. So when I look at the chart, I see kind of where the subconscious is headed, what's coming in, what's going to sprout in people's lives, what has sprouted, and then can we shift the destiny or can we purify it to be more in alignment with where people are now? Because of course, once the soul incarnates and you start to go through your life, you grow and change and progress. So where the destiny track was set when you were born may be very different from where you are today. So then you take your 
your subconscious and your conscious in your life. And we can use practices like mantras, which are vibrational sounds, and we can align everything so that you can have a purer expression and a more beautiful life. So so even though we kind of are, are born with these um, these kind of subconscious, like karmic realities that are, you know, that are really underpinning a lot of things, we still have complete control over our lifetime. Or do we have complete so control over our life? I think your question. Um, so the belief is that some karma and karma is not just circumstances, but it's emotional states. It's everything that we experience in our physical and subtle realities. So some karma is like a line in water, some in sand and some in concrete. So it's it's not like a punishment. It's just if we're meant to experience certain things, some things we can't not experience because the karma is too deep, but we can certainly control how we respond to those circumstances. And in fact, it's we should make an effort to consciously respond instead of react because reaction is karma absolutely and and that's something that our our guru ama talks about too it's like you you control you choose your if you want to be happy like you choose happiness you know you choose your reaction to situations so that you know even even common you know psychology talks about that too it's like it's always our our choice and how we want to present ourselves and you know how we want to respond to situations. So I, I feel like even regardless of how people feel about you know all of the underpinnings of the work, it's like that you, I feel like a lot of people can get behind you know how how we respond. Absolutely, certainly the foundation in terms of the Vedic or yogic spirituality is morality. And it's our moral duty, it's our dharma in Sanskrit to have the best attitude that we can in situations. And that definitely is a practice. Absolutely. So um, if you're just tuning in, uh, you're listening to Valley Free Radio, and this is Energy Matters, and we are here chatting with with Gowrie of Gowrie's Mantra Meditation.com. Um, and and Gowrie, is there is there such thing as like a, a collective karma? Like, why are we all going through this pandemic? What is happening right now? Like, what do, do does the astrology chart have anything to say for that, or is it really more individual to individual? I definitely think, you know, that the world astrology, especially when there's so many major events, plays a role. And then how the world astrology affects our individual astrology is really what's important. But there are going to be some certain themes for the world astrology. And I think that that is a very big topic. And the focus of today is more to see what it's like to look at an individual chart because a lot of astrology, I don't even like using the word astrology because I feel there's a lot of negative connotation and really the Eastern astrology is a science and you're reading certain information and you're able to see where a person's consciousness is and where their life is directed. So there are so many general things out there about astrology that I think are not really either accurate or deep enough to help people that I really like looking at the personal astrology and then 
monitoring the transits and what's happening in the world and seeing how that's directly affecting an individual. For example, since you've been gracious enough to let us look at your chart, the current world astrology where the karmic nodes are, the karmic nodes of the moon are typically new words for people, Rahu and Ketu, but they show a lot of where karma is coming up, especially emotional karma, where change is happening. Yours right now from world astrology are positioned over your seventh house and your first house. The seventh house has to do with relationships. And the first house has to do with the physical body and the consciousness and the way that you see the world. So have you noticed either in your waking life or your dreams, any of those themes surfacing? With with relationships in particular? Relationships and also monitoring your physical body and how you see the world in general. Uh, yes, <laughs> I will say. Um, so, well, t- yeah, it's actually been really interesting because, um, well, I am, I'm very outgoing. I'm very, I'm very social person. I definitely love my like me time, but, um, halfway through the pandemic, I moved into my own apartment and since I've been in my own apartment and, you know, we're all isolating and doing things, I have been experiencing like deep senses of like loneliness and it's been, I mean, it's been huge for me because I went from having a couple of roommates to and seeing them on a day-to-day basis when the first you know seven or eight months of the pandemic to going to live by myself and being way more isolated so the the loneliness factor came up in a big way for me um and then um and then also with my health I'm I have very very good health and then I just in the last month came down with shingles so and I, it's crazy because I have a great immune system. I eat super healthy. So within my physical rela- my physical body, yeah, it it was like both of those things came out. What to me felt like they came out of nowhere. Well, that's really interesting because Rahu in world astrology is one of the karmic nodes of the moon, R-A-H-U. That is over your first house, which is the physical body. And Rahu does rule over viruses, bacteria, and anything to do with the skin, which 100% would be shingles and things like that. Yeah. And for people out there who maybe haven't uh, heard of shingles or haven't experienced it, it's basically like um, a painful rash, usually on one side of your body. And sometimes it's just like tiny. It can happen like anywhere on one side. Um, But it's, it's like it affects your nerves. So it's very physically mm. intense so um and some people really experience the um the like nerve discomfort or outright pain like years afterwards or months afterwards but usually it takes about like four to eight uh, two to four weeks for the, the rash itself to go away so it's yeah it's a little it's kind of gnarly <laughs> so um but yeah that that is very interesting that the um the kind of uh the astrology that my astrology reading definitely reflects what's going on in my chart hundred percent. And it's really interesting because knowledge is power. So I think sometimes when we can understand why things are happening in our life, then we know how to apply the correct actions to, I don't want to say fix them, but to, to change them. We know, okay, this is just what I kind of need to accept and have a good attitude about and focus elsewhere. And then this is where I can put my energy into 
creating change and what are the themes coming up. So I think the first step with any type of spiritual practice is awareness. Absolutely. And then what I really like about mantras, so mantras are sets of Sanskrit words. A lot of times we look on social media and we we may see someone that says, my mantra is peace. Well, that's an affirmation. Yeah. And that's the colloquial use of the word mantra. But from the Vedic or yogic scriptures, the technical term mantra comes from the Sanskrit words manas, meaning mind, and tra, to set free. So what mantras are specifically are sets of Sanskrit words that come out of the scriptures that originally were... Um, written down by rishis which is a sanskrit word for seer so it's a being in an advanced state of consciousness that's actually seeing how this reality or the substratum of creation is working recording these mantras which we don't make up we take from the scriptures and then the mantras are in sanskrit which is vibrational and sanskrit is a language that consists of different combinations of the five elements that create this world earth air fire water and ether and these elements each one of those rules over one of the first five chakras or energy major energy centers in the body and actually each sound in the sanskrit alphabet corresponds to different petals on the chakras so that's a lot of technical information, which I like, you know, the scientific way of explaining it. But basically, you know, when you look at the chart, you see what's going on and you say, okay, well, I would really like to improve the finances or I'd really like to improve a relationship or health or family dynamics. Then we say, okay, this is what's going on in the chart that has created the circumstance. And then these are the vibrations that when you chant them or you focus on them will be the correct vibrations, almost like a spiritual type of acupuncture, and it will open up those lines. And when you chant the correct vibration, it purifies off anything of the lower or negative vibration, and then you start to see those changes reflect or manifest in your day-to-day life. Mm, I love it. I love it. So how, um, and if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Energy Matters, and we're here today chatting with Gallery, and we're um, talking all about Jyotish astrology, which is an Eastern form of astrology. Um, and Gallery, how how do mantras fit into your own life? Because I, you know, you can only look at your chart so many times before you kind of have an idea of, you know, what you're doing. But um, how, how do you fit mantras in uh, for, for your day to day, for your month to month? What is What does that picture look like in your life? So mantras can be done in so many different ways. You can write mantras, you can sing mantras, you can chant mantras, you can repeat mantras silently. But what I try to encourage people to do is to get a habit of repeating a mantra because then you're going to have a skill where you can actually work with your mind. And it doesn't matter if you're driving It doesn't matter if you're flying. It doesn't matter if you're sick or if you're healthy. I mean, say, for example, somebody is driving and they feel some type of um, anger towards other people who are driving. I mean, you can't really just pull over and say do a technique like 
yoga asana where you're doing the postures on the side of the highway. Right. But in <laughs> in that moment, could you, you imagine can how many your... people would be on the side of the highway <laughs> doing <laughs> right. yoga if that was the case? <laughs> exactly. But in the moment, you can train yourself to chant a mantra. So what I like about mantras is that it's anytime, anywhere, and it doesn't have to be something that this is a seated practice that disrupts my life. You know, we have these day-to-day lives where we have responsibilities. We have jobs, we have children, we have partners, we have household work, we have all these things. So mantras can be combined, and it doesn't have to look like I get up and I sit because the, the power of the mantra comes from your heart chakra. It comes from your love. It comes from your devotion. And so, you know, I encourage people, pick a time during the day. I say um, cooking, cleaning, or showering and say, this is my mantra time. And then hopefully you do at least one of those a day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love to or- actually, yeah, I, I do my mantras in my car. I have a little wrist mala that like sits over my, um, you know, the, the drive neutral reverse stick. And it just sits right there. And then so every time I get into my car, like I, I do my mantra, you know, I, I can drive with one hand pretty easily. Um, but it's, it's, you know, I, it just helps me stay clear and focused. And I know that when whenever I'm driving, and I don't have like I don't have to listen to the radio. I could I've driven from uh, from Western Mass all the way out to Rochester, like literally just doing my mantra, and my mind stayed clear and I stayed focused, and I was like really happy during that drive. So um, yeah, it's yeah I think that um, it definitely doesn't have to you don't have to give your complete attention to it, but it can really assist in all different areas of your life. Yeah, I think that that's the key is to be flexible because we're not all going to get up and do a seated practice. It's just not the reality of what some people have going on. Um, So for me, I mean, I've been chanting mantras since some of my first memories. I've been told I chanted mantras in past lives. I've chanted millions and millions of mantras. I lived in India for over 10 years and I've I've taught these mantras um, to people all over the world and I've used mantras to change and heal and create all different situations in my life in all areas whether it's friendships or primary relationship or relationship with in-laws or health or whatever it is so when I work with people I know how to work with the mantras because of my own experience and because of my experience with working with people for over 10 years. And it's like in the chart, you see certain patterns and you see certain patterns in people and then you know how to apply the mantras. So it's really about, um, you know, we can't really actually have happiness without helping other people to have happiness. So one thing that really affected me growing up was I felt like there was a lot of jealousy towards me. Hmm. And, you know, you only want to wish good things for people. So now it's so beautiful because if somebody feels some type of way, you know, about, oh, you have a partner, oh, you have a child, or oh, you have whatever it is, you know, then I could say, well, actually, here are these practices that, and this is how to do it for yourself. I love that. It's practical. It's like, yeah, it, yeah, 
love it. But um, can you can you share with us some of your successes of because I know that you are a, a huge mantra lover and you fold them into your life in so many different ways. Um, and you kind of talked about how you're not as influenced um, by like other people's external kind of thoughts and feelings towards you with a kind of jealousy. Um, do you have other kind of examples of how uh, mantra has benefited you or any kind of really success stories that you've observed over the years with mantra? I mean, that's a great question. I feel like it's all, they're all success stories. Mm. It's just, yeah, right. Cause they work. Infinite, yeah. They work for everything. So there's infinite, um, there's infinite success stories, but I think I'm trying to think of one that would be a really, a really good example. So one, one thing that happened recently with the mantras was um, I've always had this interesting karma where every single best friend that I've had has had some type of mental breakdown. Oh, no. So, yeah, I've never been able to keep a best friend because there's always, you know, some situation where somehow they always have bipolar and this was like this since I was little I mean even from when it was my best friend and I opening up uh, Easter baskets together in preschool so that's what I would call more concrete karma you're born into a certain place and a certain situation and I wouldn't say that I consciously chose to go to that preschool that would be a, a, a deeper karmic example And so over the years, I've done a lot of mantras to purify relationship karma because karma is not just the choices you you make. It's the emotions and and the mental states you experience. It's the situations that arise in your life. Um, And so I kept doing mantras to purify relationships and I kept doing mantras for friendships and I even... Whenever you, you know, you have one story and you want to change that story, you want to make a new vision. So it's like rewriting the subconscious. So I wrote a list of all the beautiful things that I would want to do, you know, with my new best friend. And it's so interesting because after I moved, uh, relocated, I actually met my new best friend oh and she is like everything on the list and then there was a circumstance recently and it's so interesting our kind of like subconscious prayers or subtle prayers but you know whenever you go through a circumstance and people are suffering I think it's natural to feel kind of like powerless you know you know that the divine is in control but if you see someone suffering mentally emotionally you feel like powerless because you can't really do anything right and that's you know? when people and start worrying and like it's like is that the energy that you want to put out towards other people's like worry or you know negative yucky stuff so so then the universe just kind of a lot when you do these mantras it's like the universe kind of aligns everything and so in addition to meeting my new best friend and just literally being everything on the list, I mean, even where I'm allergic to dairy and she's vegan and made this beautiful vegan spread for um, 
the holidays and it was just like really special um there was even a circumstance recently where I was able to um even though I don't deal with mental emotional health because I'm not a doctor or a psychologist but I was able to kind of be present and somehow be influential in a situation with a, a client who um was having a type of mental break and so it was like all those circumstances in my life where I couldn't do anything about what was going on with other people that in this circumstance somehow I was able to play some type of role that made a positive influence and you know that gave me a really a deep sense of faith um so the mantras they they work to kind of like correct whatever is going on in your life but they also bring what you need to let go and it's it's just really beautiful what could happen also for example um i was doing a mantra for my child to have a child and i did mantras for three years actually before I started to try to get pregnant so that I would bring in a spiritual soul. And I even had a vision board for all of the dreams and desires that I wanted to have with the child. And then it's amazing because, you know, she's only two and a half, but we've already done everything on the vision board. Oh, nice. (laughs) You guys are plugging right along. Got to keep adding some images and photos onto that. (laughs) <laughs> exactly and it's just oh. it's just so sweet when you you know we don't realize what we put out with our our fears or our thoughts or our emotions or subconscious we don't really realize it i think until we start to consciously try to put out what it is that we want so what's great about the mantras is they're not just our thoughts and emotions it's actually changing what's going on in the subconscious so say for example you have a situation where um, you're mentally not at peace. So in that moment, it's like you're not going to just focus on changing the mental state because that's not enough. But if if you chant mantras for peace and for happiness and other positive mental states, emotional states, then you're also correcting the situation because you're planting seeds for the future states that you'll experience. And then you can look at the chart and see, okay, well, why did I have this circumstance from the beginning? Because maybe there are some actions or some aspects of the life that need to be changed in order to shift the direction that everything is going in. And that's why I like combining the mantra practice with looking at the chart, because a lot of times when you go to Eastern astrologers, they're not going to have these two specific backgrounds and so then it's it's a really big blessing because when I work with people and I'm able to suggest the mantras and then they're able to make changes in their life I actually accrue grace or merit for my own liberation and spiritual growth by helping people so it's really um I would say the biggest blessing of my life. Yeah, yeah. And in a lot of ways, I feel that same way about being a, a Reiki teacher and a Reiki practitioner. It's like, it's like all the Reiki that I'm offering for other people and increasing their life, like it flows through me first. And it's like, my life is like mm-hmm. increased and expanded and, and opened up. And um, yeah, the, the healing arts and this kind of work is just endlessly satisfying. So 
But one one thing I I would like to kind of bring it back around is, you know, you talked about having that peace of mind. And and I know we're going to read my chart in a a few moments. I'm super excited about that. Um, And, you know, something that has really the one aspect of my life that has caused me so much worry is my finances and my money. And it's, it's not that I've been, um, it's not by any means that I've ever been like, homeless or kicked out of apartment or not been able to eat, it hasn't been that level of severity for me. But there's really been this like unshakable worry for since I really was self employed about 10 for the last 10 years. And, um, and I would say and it probably went on before then too. But you know, I think it's more obvious when you're self employed, because you're in charge and you're, you're the the first second, third and fifth person in line to, to deal with everything. So um, but I, you know, and sort of a, um, a, you know, a few weeks back, we had somebody who um, was here talking about financial wellness. And, you know, he, he was like, you can tell if you have peace of mind, that's what financial wellness is. And it was a total aha moment for me, like, right, like, that's, that is not I don't have peace of mind with this air in this area of my life. And it's um, so I would really love to um, to dig into the chart a little bit and sort of see what my maybe subconscious or my karma is reflecting in that area, because I, I do want that to heal. And I don't want to worry, you know, it's not it doesn't feel good. Absolutely. So basically, when I have the chart, I have a mean chart. And then I have many many subdivisional charts which are blow-ups of the main chart and then there are certain astrological periods that show what type of karma is coming to the surface so for example for you for financial planets i mean there are two main planets that govern finances they're the the wealth giving planets venus and mercury so mercury for you and your main chart is in the eighth house And that definitely does show some karmic debts with finances from past lives. So in that case, it's good to do specific mantras for finances so that you're purifying off whatever vibration is being held in the chakras that needs to shift. So what's happening in your day-to-day waking life is a reflection of what's going on in your subtle body. So when you change the subtle body it's going to reflect in your day-to-day waking life. So when you start to chant the mantras for the vibrations that you need to align things better, whatever kind of gunk that's on there is going to come up. And that's why it's also important to have a regular practice. And that's one thing that I really help people with is how to build a practice and maintain it because it's not just a technique. It's actually you're working with the forces of the world where we live in a world of duality when you make a a push for the positive you're going to have that resistance energy come up and it's not about intelligence or devotion or awareness or anything it's just a skill that you know people need to learn so I kind of mentor people and I've been told that that's really really helpful um so for you any mantras that are Kubera mantras, mantras specifically for financial prosperity are um, pretty important. You know, Venus is another wealth-giving planet and Venus is uh, ruled over by Lakshmi. 
So your Venus is actually pretty good. It's with uh, K2 in the ninth house, which is the house of Dharma or morality. So that's okay. Um, it's really, I think, Mercury. And what's interesting is that, I guess, when you started working then, if you're saying 10 years ago and it's, you know, that's 2011, you were in a Mercury time period. So that's more when that karma would come to the surface. Since 2018, February 27, 2018, you've been in a K2 time period. So I'm kind of shifting. So yeah. You've you've shifted and and K2 is a lot about um emotions and things you've already done in the past and so it is with Venus and K2 can actually be good for finances and it's um, well placed in your main chart. But then when I look at the subdivisional chart, it's interesting because it's in your second house, which is the house of the family lineage karma. So what that basically means is what are the beliefs that are coming through your family lineage that you have around finances um, so you may have to actually, uh, digest and challenge those beliefs if you're not doing something that people traditionally would do in your lineage. Mm. So, uh, in terms of like some doing something like being a, a Reiki teacher, as opposed to going into business or law or something like that, is that what you mean? I mean, for, for me, it's like, I would believe I, you know, my family has a belief in hard work and that money has to come through hard work and effort over time. So that's one belief system instead of, you know, money coming in waves or money coming in windfalls. So whatever the conditioning is, those limitations you would want to lift off. Do I have to know exactly what those limitations are to lift off? Or is the mantra, repeating the mantra, going to be enough to kind of get that work, like, vibrationally adjusted? The mantra, the way that it works is the mantras will first spring into your consciousness. The first thing is consciousness or awareness. So if you start doing a mantra, say we did a mantra for K2, and because that's a a good way to start in your situation, then you would see what comes up in your dreams. I mean, probably one thing I would think is that, do you believe that you can make money doing what you love? I mean, you may believe it intellectually, but do you believe it in your heart? Because maybe that's something in your family lineage or that, you know, money can come through helping others or does money have to come through a specific job whatever it is so first I start with general mantras based off of the chart and then you can tell in your dreams and in your consciousness what comes up and then people can describe that to me and I can tell you what the patterns are and then we can get more specific so for you if you started with mantras remedying the chart such as k2 mantras and also Kobera mantras specifically for financial prosperity I think that would be very beneficial for you. Okay. So it's kind of like you start um, like with initial an initial set of mantra that I would repeat. And then as more kind of gunk starts surfacing, whether it's in my dreams or in my kind of day-to-day waking life then that I'm you know aware of and looking for, then we can keep refining it and adjusting from there. 
Exactly. There are layers and it's not forever. There are breakthroughs, but typically how I work with people is on 40 day cycles. So we pick a theme and we start. So if we were to pick finances, we would start with those mantras and then we'd see what comes up. And then we'd look again at the chart and 40 days is the amount of time it takes for the subconscious to make a change. So that's why we pick 40 days and then we problem solve. Okay. How did the practices go? Did they work? Did they work for you in life? How do we adjust it? And, you know, what came up for you, not just um, with how you do the practices, but actually spiritually on a deeper level. And the charts are like encyclopedias. So there's kind of infinite information. You just go deeper and deeper to the layers. So, you know, it's not like people have to work forever. You can come, you can get a reading, you can see what's going on. But if people want to work on a specific topic, then typically I do work with people over a period of time, whether it's for relationships or spiritual protection or finances or whatever it is the endless amount of things that we can have trouble with in our life there's there's no shortage of things yeah Yeah. (laughs) oh man so many things that can go wrong or right you know but um that's great that's great so is there anything else that you see in my chart that um might be a little little thing that kind of catches your eye well, right now, for example, you're actually going to switch sub-periods. So you've been in K2 Mars, and Mars goes through January 28th this year. And then you're going to switch into K2 Rahu. And Rahu And that's the north goes, and the south karmic nodes, right? K2 and Rahu? Right. K2 is south node. Rahu is north node. But it's going to be a double lunar period. So... If, if you think about it, to have a double lunar period, you have to have a lunar major period and a lunar minor period. So they're not all that common. But K2 Rahu is definitely a, a big period of change for people. And also it's, it's changed a lot in your life, but also inside your consciousness. So your Rahu is in your third house with your moon. And the moon is the mind. It's, it's the mother on... Um, So for you with your chart, you're someone that definitely would be happiest with self-made wealth. It's being in business for yourself. The third house is the house of short-term travel and and self-made wealth. So whatever, wherever someone's moon is, that's where their mind is most uplifted by. So in this Rahu period, you would definitely see changes with self-made wealth and Rahu represents sudden gain. So you would expect to see Um, a lot of new opportunities in terms of self-made wealth and then also really deeper shifts in your consciousness, letting go of deep emotional patterns, letting go of deep patterns that were passed through your mother's lineage, feelings about your mom, um, how you see your mind, how you see the world, how you see divinity, and then also what you see your dharma or your morality is, So it's not that everything is deep and philosophical and about the mind, but certainly a a double lunar period and a period that involves the moon, which your Rahu period involves the moon because your Rahu is with your moon. That's going to represent a lot of changes. And then also in world astrology right now, Saturn, Saturn is in Capricorn, which is in your ninth house, which is your house of morality 
which is also where K2 is, and that is your major period. It's your ruling period, so that means more karma is coming up about really, like, morally, what do you want in your life? Not just in your work life, but also in your friendships, in your relationship dynamics, maybe in terms of a partner. Do you want children? It's like, what's the moral foundation of your life? And then I think once that comes into your consciousness and you start implementing that, that's going to guide the direction of your career in your finances. So to a degree, your finances are really tied to... um, what do you feel like a moral life is for you? Hmm. That's interesting. That's like a really big question. <laughs> That's like a really uh, to have my finances tuned and really like kind of in alignment with uh, my morality and these kind of larger life questions feels a little intimidating. I mean, I, I feel like uh, so much of what I do in my um, in my life really revolves around what inspires me and what feels good and you know I figure those things out by obviously what doesn't feel good and you know so there's um you know it it really yeah that's that feels very um that feels like such a large uh two very large things to be working in tandem K2 is really a lot of what we have accomplished in past lives so when the in the eastern tradition we call this yogic tradition we call it the spiritual energy the kundalini energy and the kundalini energy goes up the spine and then it goes through different types of lessons in life but as it clears the spine it clears out desires so k2 is a lot about what you've accomplished in past life so it's like you're a soul and you're a wise soul and you say okay i've lived a lot of lives so i want to use my time wisely And it's not just about working, it's really about my life as a whole. So sometimes it's like when we don't fulfill other desires or we don't have some type of balance, we actually don't make progress in in certain um, areas of our life. For example, if you have a strong desire to, say, have a child, then the the mantras um, and the kundalini energy, they have their own consciousness they have their own awareness so you could be wanting to do mantras for obstacle removal to to create opportunities in your life for um for your work and for your career but in your heart and your soul you say oh i've had a lot of careers in past lives i don't want my main focus to be career really what's in my heart is to you know, be in a relationship and to travel the world. I mean, I'm just making things up, but you no, know, that's so accurate. I, so I should really be focusing <laughs> on, yeah, no, so I should be focused on being in a relationship at the same time to improve my finances and also to, um, to continue writing my book, uh, which is, which will also help my finances. And it's in, and, and from what I'm understanding that you're saying is like, doing those other things will also just bring uh, a wholeness to like not just my finances but my my whole life exactly and that's why I always like to look at the charts because things are never what they seem on the surface and we can't isolate factors so it may be like as soon as you see that these other desires are going to be fulfilled then the energy all of a sudden can go towards you know, the work factors, because maybe in past lives, what this is saying is that you have um, 
spent a lot of time and energy and career and you didn't get to do a lot of what you wanted to do and experience that relationship life. Um, so that's what I mean by morality for you. What is right for the timing of you and your soul? Because we do have the, the conditioning of the society and the time period that we're born into. But we also have what's in the subconscious mind for the soul and this life and how it's influencing. And I can tell you, for example, in your most recent past life, in your most recent past life, the consciousness you had in that life becomes your subconscious for this life. In your most recent past life, you had really difficult relationships. So you probably have quite a few romantic desires, which is not necessarily negative. It's just like if somebody, for example, is in a starvation situation in a past life, then in that life, they're thinking a lot about food. So in this life, they have a lot of desires around food. So if you're in a situation in a previous life where you're not able to have that deep emotional intimacy and romance that you know, you're looking for, you're going to think a lot about it. And then that's going to build up energy in your subtle body spine. And then when you go to do spiritual practices, the energy is going to go there. So it's like, you know, granting that desire could then open the pathway for other things to come in. But like that is overshadowing. Um, and so uh, I know we're kind of coming up to the last few minutes. Um, so if you're just tuning in, uh, we just kind of did a little mini reading on my own financial wellness and kind of some of the underpinnings. Um, and so, um, you know, I, I what what do you have that um, that I, well, I mean, I guess let me take a step back. You know, how should how should people prepare for a session? And you know, what what do people need to know, like before and after a session? I guess sort of just just a little mini overview. Basically, I don't say anything negative, so people don't need to be scared about what's being. You're a very said. kind human. Like I know that from personal <laughs> <Thank you>. experience. <laughs> yeah. Oh, thank you. <laughs> And I work with all different types of people, corporate clients, people that like just focus on practices. I mean, a whole spectrum. So you don't have to do other yogic practices and you can be of any type of religion. And I give recordings also of the mantras. So it's not going to be a whole long, complicated thing. You know, I keep things very simple and that's still very effective because the mantras are very powerful and they cancel out a lot of thoughts and emotions. So basically, I tell people if they want to do a reading to see what's going on, that you can have specific areas of life or we can just start generally. Typically, if there's anything specific that you want prioritized, I tell people three areas or three questions. And Pretty much every person is like, I have no idea what it is we're going to do. I mean, Eastern astrology is not very common in the West. It's really, you know, I learned it in India from someone who came from a lineage of Jodish or Eastern astrology practitioners who told me I did it in a past life. So he taught me and um, the mantras I write out and I write out what it is they're for in the email so you can have that printed and then I send you the recordings and then I'm available for follow-up questions because I really take it seriously if you know for people to improve 
their lives. Um, so please don't be intimidated. And in terms of just something that people could start with today, you know, Om Shanti Om is a mantra for peace that has the vibration of peace. So it's something that people could just start chanting in the moment, you know, to create peace. You feel some type of emotion, just keep mentally silently repeating Om Shanti Om, Om Shanti Om, Om Shanti Om. And that will calm your whole system and then you can redirect your energy. So what's most important about mantras is not that we, you know, stand on one toe and get up at 4.30 in the morning and chant silently for hours, but that we create this habit in the moment when there's stress or something difficult where we have a tool that instead of um, reacting, we have a tool that empowers us. That sounds very hopeful and inspiring, and I think that um, you know any any other any additional kind of tools that we can put into our tool belt to live healthier, happier lives, um, and to clear out some of this junk that we've accumulated. In my opinion, is a positive thing. So. Uh, so we we are almost out of time. Um, so, um, Gowrie, can you can you uh, give people uh, a way that they can, if they're curious more about what you do, uh, how how can people find you? So the easiest way to find me is to just email me at um, mantra m a n t r a dot meditation one zero zero eight at gmail.com and I know that now in the world most people are working from home but I've always done my sessions via FaceTime phone or Skype I work with people all over the world I actually don't do in-person readings and haven't for years so absolutely um so you don't need you don't need to be in a certain location you can literally be anywhere anywhere perfect and um you can always hop on to um galleries mantra meditation.com that's g-a-u R-I-S, mantrameditation.com. Um, and if you're just tuning into the show and you want to catch the full broadcast, um, you can always go on to reikinorthampton.com backslash radio dash archives and all the information and links will be um, to connect with gallery there as well. Um, and so those shows are uh, always posted about a week later. Um, and if you're a podcast listener, you can always hop onto any podcast and download the Energy Matters podcast. Um, but thank you so much, Gowrie. Um, we're just about out of time so we're going to be switching over to democracy now but thank you so much for coming on the show um you can stay on the line um but again thank you so much for for the reading and um and your beautiful words of wisdom so have a great Um, thank you for having me you're welcome have a great afternoon everyone and be well